Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. Dan Claps here with my co-host, Christian Dadalak. We're excited to announce that this is our 18th episode, and we were reading a stat that basically, if you make it past three podcasts, you'll actually have a podcast, and we've more than tripled that. So excited to uh, host this episode. What's going on, Christian? How's it going, man? Good to uh, be here today. It's pretty crazy that this is the 18th one. And I think we're going to do a ton of these. It's been a ton of fun. It's been a learning experience for me. I'm sure it has been for you. And hopefully the audience has been getting a lot out of it. But, you know, it's like you said, I think it's if you get past three, that's a great milestone. And if you can do it consistently, and we've been consistent, we can hit 25, 50, 100. That's how that's how I know that we have like a, a pretty legit podcast here. And we'll continue to grow and evolve along the way. So it's been a ride. It's been it's been fun. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting The get past three or three podcasts and then you're on your way kind of coincides with the theme of this this podcast episode talking about multi-unit ownership as a franchise owner, potential franchise owner. Uh, They say it's easier to have two units than it is to have one, easier to have three than it is to have two, easier to have 100 than it is to have three. Right. So we're going to be talking about multi-unit ownership and why it's such a benefit to a business owner. Right on. I mean, I think a good place to start is probably what is multi-unit ownership. So for those that may not know, multi-unit ownership is really just where, let's say you you identify what that right franchise is for you. And you're saying, okay, I'm moving forward with this. And I don't want to just open up one location or one territory I want to buy the rights to open up many locations, many territories, depending on the nature of the brand and the industry and all of that. So you would sign a multi-unit franchise agreement and you would have the rights to develop that territory or build a certain amount of locations over a certain time period. Usually it's over a a schedule that you agree to with the franchisor. And uh, so easy example, if you think McDonald's, you start with one McDonald's, maybe year two or 18 months later, whatever their schedule is, you open up your second location, six months later, a third and, and so on and so forth. Although with the McDonald's, it's probably going to be pretty expensive. But uh, Dan, anything you want to add there as far as what multi-unit ownership is exactly? Yeah, I mean, it's essentially scaling a, if you think of one territory or unit, whether it's a brick and mortar store or a service location, you're essentially creating multiple territories or units of that same business. And what you're able to do is you're able to leverage the team that you've already built. And so I always think as a CEO, your job, if you want to hire salespeople or engineers, I want to hire the best engineers. I actually don't want to hire the engineers. I want to hire the head of engineer, the best I can find. And he's going to find the best engineers because he's got those relationships and knows what to look for and comes you know, he or she comes from that background. My job as the CEO is to find the person that can head up that department and find others. And so when you think about it as a multi-unit owner, 
when you go to start your first location, talk about a manager. You're gonna hire your great manager and you're gonna be excited to bring them on and they're gonna run that one location. But they're also gonna help you with two and three and four and five if you go down that path. And what you're able to do is you're able to leverage someone's salary. Let's use a number of $60,000 a year salary plus some type of incentive um, to run one location. But on the second, you could pay them perhaps $15,000 more. And that second location isn't another entire $60,000 cost. It's, it's 15,000, right? And then the third is 15,000. Um, and what happens is you're able to get someone that's, that sees a growth opportunity from day one. They come into your business and you say, hey, I have one location I'm opening, but here's the vision. We're gonna have three of these and then 10 of these someday. And you could be the manager of those locations. And I once heard, you know, your vision needs to be big enough that someone else's vision can fit in it. And so what happens is this manager that's coming, this cream of the crop person versus maybe someone that's less qualified, they're gonna come in and they're gonna say, I love your business. I love the compensation model, but where am I going? And when you're a multi-unit owner, you're gonna be able to give them a higher, a, a, you know, a longer blueprint or a longer term vision that they can follow. Yeah, I think that's that's a huge thing. And I know we talked about that with Adam Rice of ISI Elite Training on our last podcast where he touched on, look, I have this conversation with my new potential franchisees, new franchise candidates all of the time because I'm asking them, what is your vision? If you want to be that person that has one store and that's what you're looking to do, then, hey, that's fantastic. But just recognize that the goal is well, it depends on what your goals are, but if you're looking to build something that you're retaining people, you're retaining your key employees and you have, you're minimizing turnover. So you're not having a revolving door of people coming in and out of your business. You need to, you need to set a career path for them. And if all your, if your vision is only to start one location and you just want to leave it there, that's fine. But just recognize that you're really not going to have that person that's really going to stick with you for five years, 10 years, however long you own the business, because everyone's looking to grow, whether it's somebody that's looking to grow in their managerial position or, or, or whatever the case, there needs to be a ladder uh, way up. And that's how you're going to not only retain those people, but that's also how you're going to attract them in the first place. If a manager or someone that's looking at jobs, if they're looking at company A and company A just says, yeah, we're going to open up one location and that's it. Okay. Versus company B that says, look, we're going to, you know, we, we're, we have one right now, but we're going to open up three more over the next th or two more of the next three years for a total of three. And then we'd like to open up even more after that. Right now, you're going to be the general manager of this one store. But after a couple of years, once we have that, those three stores, I want you to be our regional manager potentially. And, and then on and on it goes. And so I think that's a great way to attract people. Obviously, in that scenario, I don't know about you, Dan, but for me, I'm choosing to go with company B because there's a longer uh, career path and advancement potential for me there. So that's, that's a huge benefit for multi-unit ownership. And I think it's good to communicate that vision as well. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about, um, you think about with what, when I'm saying it's easier to run the one or three versus one, it's because you have that management team in place. You have your systems in place um, and you're able to lean on a team to make everything work and run well and you can manage from afar better when you have more than one one unit and i also think that there's some level of when someone's exploring making a purchase of territory 
sometimes clients will say to, our, to you know to a lot of consultants, well, I want to purchase one territory, see how it goes, and then do more. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what a lot of times happens is when you don't have the accountability, the pressure that you need to open second and third on a schedule because you've invested a certain amount into them and, and agreed and signed a contract to open them, uh, you know, you may not do that. You're going to get comfortable. Um, I've always looked in my life so far, anytime things started to work out, I would, I would somehow find a way to put a little extra pressure, get out of the comfort zone, not even maybe intentionally, but whether it was, you know, a purchase, a home purchase or a car purchase, or just your lifestyle starting to keep up with, with your income or having a mentor that's pushing you to, to get to a certain level or peers that are, you know, in my friend group, my peers are constantly striving for more and more and you're trying to keep up. There's nothing better than being locked into that pressure. It sounds scary at first, but if you sign for two or three locations, there's no choice. You have to do it. Or, I mean, there is a choice, but you're better doing it than not. And so in my opinion, when you're excited, you've got that entrepreneurial kick, commit because now you're going to, not have the ability to give up on yourself. You're going to have the, the commitment already made. Absolutely. I mean, some of the best advice I've ever gotten from mentors of mine that I've had throughout the years is Christian. There's only so much that internal willpower, there's only so much, so many places that that internal willpower and drive can take you. You know, you have to have that. You do have to have that and you should always foster that. But there, there does need to be a certain degree of self-imposed pressure. And, and, and that's, why it's good to have that those that those pressures from mentors peers signing a multi-unit franchise agreement so you're saying look i'm committing i'm committing to opening i'm committing to growth is really what it is i'm committing to growth i'm growing something and and to touch on what you said as well dan about starting with one territory and i agree that's completely fine if that's what's right for your financial situation your your level of of skill comfort, whatever. I get that. And then start with one, but also recognize you need to be aware of what, what the brand, what the franchise's goals are as well. Because if they're a brand that's rapidly growing throughout the country, there's no guarantee that that territory that's adjacent to yours is going to be available in a year or even six months, a couple of months even. So you, you might be running the risk of not having that territory available in a very short period of time. And then your growth is kind of limited and you're locked in between other franchisees. And so that may not be the best uh, option as well. So I also look at multi-unit ownership, not only as kind of an offensive strategy where we're talking about growing a business, scaling it, making it big, but it's also defensive in the sense that you want to make sure you're not losing prime territory to uh, other franchisees. Absolutely. Meaning, the ter- you just you're not you don't have the option to expand to more more territory exactly exactly and i think i think also what a lot of people don't realize is the economies of scale for example if you want to open up a second territory you don't just say oh i have to just double my investment that's not how it works you get to shift and use some of, a lot of the same resources same people for example I go to vitamin shop a lot. I drink these uh, Jocko Go energy drinks religiously. They're actually very healthy for you. Look them up. All the ingredients, you can read them, but I digress. Jocko Willink, former retired, retired Navy SEAL, awesome guy. So I drink his stuff and they only have it available at vitamin shop in my area unless I want to order them online. So let's take vitamin shop. You're the manager of a vitamin shop. Or you're the owner of a vitamin shop franchise. 
and let's say they own, you're the owner of, of three vitamin shops within an area. And one store is super busy one day. And then you have some others that, you know, they're, they're doing okay, but they're, they're kind of quieter. And the one store that's really busy is short staffed. The wait, the lines are long. There's a, and they, they need some more help. Well, because you own three units and you have the staff in place, you can just shift over some of your employees and send them to another location for the day. And so you get to share those resources, share that labor, and, and, and you get to, as the owner and work with your managers to use those resources in an efficient and effective way to make sure that everything's, everything's running smoothly and you're addressing challenges as they come up and you have the resources to do that. Whereas if you're, you're your own location, you're one location, you really only have the limited resources that you have for that one location. So I think that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah, and you just you're creating a bigger funnel of talent, right? You have three locations, so you're hiring more staff and employees. And I have an opinion that the great people come from that funnel, if you will, right? Of of, of employees. You know, at our company, we have between contractors and employees over a hundred different people. And through those people that come and go and there's turnover, you find those great people that you can lift up in your your organization. It's funny, Jocko, uh, the book uh, that he co-wrote. Uh, extreme ownership. I was thinking about that book yesterday because in career transition leads, we have a, a manager that is really there day to day. He's really involved in the business as a mind, but on more of the granular level. He's really in there. And he called me up yesterday and he said, Hey, um, you know, don't kill me. Don't be mad. But I went ahead and I hired an extra person and made the decision that you said to hire this many. But I, I noticed X, Y, Z reasons and I've hired another person and I made that decision. And he, I said to him, why would I ever be uh, mad at you for that? You made the decision. You, know, you, you told me the facts, you told me the, 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 the logic. And if it was the wrong decision, that's okay. I would have told you, you know what, we need to change, but I'm never going to be mad at you for making a decision. And that book constantly talks about the idea of decentralized command, um, which is, you know, people... You know, for me, when we when we hire people, we're hiring adults. We're hiring adults that should be able to do a job. And I believe that most people, they want to do a good job. There's very few people that want to do a bad job. They don't, no one wakes up in the morning, I'm going to do a bad job today. I can't wait to really <laughs> screw up. <laughs> like most people, no matter what their pay, you know, uh, expectations are, they inherently want to do good. Um, what I find happens is as a business owner either you're not clear with your guidelines and what you want and so they have to keep coming to you with your questions or anytime they make a mistake you completely you know belittle them and make them feel small and so all of a sudden they don't ever want to make a mistake again so they're calling up all the time i wouldn't want to own three locations if every single employee was calling me every single time there was a an issue but if you learn how to hire the right staff teach them how to make decisions, decentralize command. All of a sudden what happens is you'll have three or 30 or hundred units and your phone's not going to ring because you're going to, you're going to set it all up the proper way. When I encourage people, when they do a, a one unit, um, when they start their business, first thing you should do, Google doc. And you open a Google doc and you call it operations. I know, granted, I know a franchise has an operations manual, but this is going to be your operations manual. Operations manual and every single thing you do, write it in there. Employee asks you a question, share the Google Doc to that, make them write the question and answer that they got in there. 
make that a living, breathing document. And what will happen is you'll find over time down to if you own a gym and the sprinkler goes off and they don't know what to do, put it in there. Every single scenario eventually will be in there. And then what you do is it's a training exercise. People will call you. They'll say, hey, happy to answer questions, but did you answer, did you look at the operations manual yet? No? Okay, go ahead in there first. If it's not in there, call me back, right? And you teach your staff, all right, it's not in the operations manual, they call you back. Okay, great. You give them the answer. But as you're giving them the answer, you, you teach them, hey, please go into the manual, write down the question you just asked me and the answer, and that way it's in there in the future. And as a good business owner, you can operate these locations and people are not asking a million questions, but you're actually going to have more likelihood of achieving that with three or four than just having with the one location. That's so accurate, man. And, and Jocko is so right. Decentralized command. You want to empower your people to make decisions and you need to give them the freedom and the freedom both to succeed and also to fail, but also call the shots to some degree. And like you mentioned, if they make the wrong call, great. But I would probably rather have someone make the wrong call than freeze up and make no decision at all. I think indecision is worse than making a decision based on the available information you have and then calling a shot. And maybe the shot was wrong, but I'm just glad you called a shot because if you're in action and if every decision has to go through you as the owner, all of these challenges are going to bottleneck and, and then they're not going to get taken care of. And your people aren't going to be happy because they don't feel the ability, they don't feel ownership for their specific piece of, of the equation and help the business be successful. And so everything just relies on you. And it's, and it's funny, Dan, I don't know if you've ever read uh, The Wealthy Franchisee by Scott. Uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. Scott, if you're listening, uh, sorry. But it's a fantastic book. Everyone should get it. I highly recommend it. And he talks about, he used to own a bunch of edible arrangement franchises in, in Los Angeles, I think. I think it was Beverly Hills, actually. And he had a manager that would run his, uh, his location. And he had a policy where he never told the manager that this was what he was doing. But if the manager called him and, and some kind of issue came up, he had, an, he had a rule where he wasn't going to call them back for an hour. Yeah. He would, he, would let it, he would let it ring and he would say, okay, if it's still an issue within an hour and they haven't figured it out, I will call back. I will help to address the problem, but I want them. I wanted her to be able to feel empowered to make a decision. I wanted her to think about it. I wanted her to call a shot and make a play. And so he empowered her to do that. And were mistakes made? Sure. But ultimately at the end of the day, did he, did it get to a point where, where every decision had to go through him? No, he empowered his team. And ultimately they got to a place where, where they had these, these standard operating procedures in place, these SOPs, and they knew exactly how to run the thing. And he was less needed in the business, which is what you want. And actually, if you want to sell the business at the end of the day, and you want to think about an exit strategy, you want a business that doesn't rely on you to succeed. Because once you exit the business, if the business is going to, uh, the value of the business, the revenue, the, the net profit, the EBITDA is going to be less then, then you're not going to get as high of a multiple upon exit. So these are all things to keep in mind as well. And we've all been there, right? We had a problem and you're freaking out, whether <laughs> it's work or something going on, you're calling your friend, they don't answer. And an hour later, they call you back and you go, ah, I figured it out. I ended up calling AAA or I ended up doing this or that. Like, and I've definitely been in that position with myself where people that I looked up to 
uh, and you know, and worked with. Every time I was I was calling them to get a, their opinion or maybe to for what not make a mistake. And I think that you know mistakes are part of someone growing as long as it's not a tremendous mistake. If it's you know if you have an employee in a seat and they keep making the wrong decision over and over and over and over, uh, perhaps they're in the wrong seat. And if so, figure that out and move them to a different position or maybe not in the company at all, um, which brings me to a good point that I wanted to bring up about in managing a multi-unit operation, really any operation. Um, I was watching a interview with the CEO of, previous CEO of LinkedIn, Jeff Weiner. And um, it's funny, you talk about the wealthy CEO, excuse me, the wealthy franchisee, which is a great book. And honestly, it's a dream when he talks about his day, how he wakes up and he goes to the office and he meets with his manager and he checks the store and he goes to a fundraiser. When I first read that book, I thought, what about email? Didn't, <laughs> I'm a slave to email, what about you? And um, I was watching an interview with the LinkedIn CEO, previous CEO, and he was saying, small little tip, if you wanna get less email, uh, send less email. <laughs> And I've been actually actively practicing that and trying to pick up the phone when I can and get out of the email uh, volleyball match that I'm often in. But anyway, this, I'm on a tangent. This, Jeff was mentioning how the most compassionate thing you can do as a leader is when someone is not a fit for a seat. So again, if you have somebody that you can't trust to make the decision to keep making mistakes, then you have the wrong person in the seat and you need to move them. And the most compassionate thing you can do as a leader is move them fast before they even realize they need to move. And if it's out of the organization, you actually did the nicest thing you possibly could do for them. They may not feel like it in the moment, but when the wrong start, when the person is the wrong seat on the bus, they, they're going home, they're bringing it home to their wife and kids or their, their spouse. And they're saying, I'm not happy. They're maybe they're not feeling it. And it has to do with being in the wrong seat. And it's your job as a leader to have that tough conversation, not prolong it, totally right 100 percent, no doubt um well i know i know we have a hard stop here in a couple of minutes dan i honestly think that we can do this almost as a two-parter episode where we do a second part i think we could talk a little bit more about the benefits of multi-unit ownership because they're just so tremendous but i also think we could touch on maybe some of the cons of, of multi-unit ownership and how it's not necessarily for everybody i'll do although we do think it's something that absolutely should be considered at the very least but it's not for everybody and so I think on uh, maybe the second part of this episode that we film eventually, uh, we can uh, we can talk about some of those and, and go into a little bit more about uh, multi-unit ownership. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep these these coming. Thanks everyone for joining this episode today. Take care, everyone.